Um, did you have anything you wanted to start the cold open with? I feel like I had thought of something kind of yesterday, but it's, it's escaped me now. Did you have something? I want to talk about the Doctor Who image that you've sent me. <laughs> okay, sure. Because what you've said here is, and I quote, I'm annoyed at how many of my boyfriends are here. <laughs> and looking at this image, which we will tweet, <laughs> um, I need to know who the boyfriends are. Which which of these gentlemen are you referring to? Uh, Jeff Goldblum I, aside, because Jeff Goldblum is everyone's boyfriend. Of course, of course. Um, I actually would like to hear your guesses. I let me let me tell you a number. Yeah, tell me how many of them. Uh, okay, not counting Jeff Goldblum. Okay, the number of actors on this list that I've been like, hmm, yeah. Or, like, some of these are pretty old actors, so, like, I would have been a little kid, and I would have not really understood what was, like, happening, but now, like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, that was kind of like a, a, like a, like a puppy crush, like a, like a little kid crush. I would say, like, four or five? Wow, okay. Okay. I definitely think Dick Van Dyke, for sure. I think... I don't think Gene Wilder. I think Kyle MacLachlan. I think Sam Rockwell. I think I'm trying not to project too much here. You know what? I do think Gene Wilder actually. I think <laughs> I think Dick Van Dyke, Gene Wilder, Kyle MacLachlan, Sam Rockwell, and I need a fifth one. And something in my guts is telling me Christopher Walken. <laughs> 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 am i uh, you're mostly right okay you're mostly right um dick van dyke is definitely one of those those actors that like as a little kid i was really into and then as an adult i was like oh that was probably like cat's proto jelly brain being like that's that's good huge um, huge same <laughs> um uh, yeah, Gene Wilder and Sam Rockwell are on that list. Uh, no to Christopher Walken. Okay. Uh, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, I actually didn't, like, did not come into my sphere of understanding until much later in life. Oh, okay. So, like, like as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I see the appeal. Sure. Um, I Hilariously, like, the body of work that I'm most familiar with him from is being the mayor on Portlandia. Yeah, he is the mayor on Portlandia. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, wait, he's that guy. Tony Shalhoub is the one that you missed out. Now, here's the thing. Here's, I was going to say Tony Shalhoub because my mom really liked him. But then I was like, let me not compare Kat to my mom. <laughs> That's okay. But, yeah. Um, but but I will say Tony Shalhoub because of Wings when I was in middle school, okay. not because of Monk. Okay. Um, And then, of course, Brian Cranston because... Like Malcolm in the Middle is a perfect sitcom. I and... was, yeah, I kind yeah. of thought Brian Cranston, <laughs> but he doesn't have the same. I don't know. He doesn't have the same kind of appeal the rest of them do. He's got a different kind of appeal, so that's why he sure didn't, he didn't jump out at me. Sure, and and I will say that like that character is a different character than I think. I don't know. I feel like people either are like, oh, the guy from Malcolm in the Middle, but most people think Breaking Bad now. And I never watched Breaking Bad, and I probably never will because I'm like. Nah, there are certain there are certain actors you get attached to in a certain mm-hmm. role, and then you have to kind of decide 
if you want to see them be a bad guy. Like right. I'm just getting to that point with David Tennant now where I'm like, maybe I'll watch Jessica Jones. Okay. Um, but haven't gotten there yet. That's fine. That's, I totally get it. I honestly, Sam Rockwell for me, I love him. I have loved, I think everything he's ever been in. Um, Donald Glover, obviously Jeff Goldblum, obviously. obviously. I am digging this particular picture of Nicolas Cage, but I, but like looking at Nicolas Cage in a movie, is not like that doesn't ping for me. So I'm really yeah. angry about this image that's pinging for me because it's like, <laughs> it's like a false positive. <laughs> I'm like, no brain. That's not it. My, my stupid lizard brain is looking at it like, Oh, handsome. Like, no, <laughs> We know better. Sorry, Nick Cage, who listens to this podcast. So this is, so just in case you have not seen this on our Twitter, this is an image of what if Doctor Who was an American show and it has a list of um, classic, I guess, sort of actors. Iconic. Iconic, yeah, American actors who could be the Doctors up to the 12th one. Yeah, I don't, I don't keep up with the Doctor Who, but you know who I do keep up with? Who's that? Spider-Man. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and we'll jump into it because I'm really excited to talk about this week's topic. Me too. What's up, Spider Pals? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? And I feel like we're getting close to figuring it out. The podcast is probably almost over. I feel like we're going to find him one day. And then and then there's no more podcast because Sorry. We'll, have, we'll have found him. So if, so if you're listening to this, Spider-Man, keep running. We don't want to find you yet. <laughs> but also that kind of sounded like a threat. <laughs> It's not. It is the friendliest keep running for your life you'll ever hear. Kat and I enjoy comics and we put this show together because we were interested in finding out if Spider-Man was there in a series of scenarios and genres and topics. Uh, So the first half of the podcast that we're going to get into is a part we call Elevator Pitch, which is where Kat gives me a theme for the week. And then I throw together an elevator pitch. I'm not allowed to do any research, which is comical because I don't know anything about (laughs) Spider-Man. And then Kat has time to to do research on my pitch. And then we find out if Spider-Man was there. There's also a secret second half of the podcast, but uh, much like Doctor Who, you will have to wait a while before (laughs) we get to that part. But this week is very exciting. I'm so excited to get into the the topic this week. What what's our theme this week? Uh, we are talking about the man without fear, Daredevil. I'm okay. So when you came to me and you were like, "Let's do a Daredevil episode," the Im- my immediate brain response was Evanescence's "Wake Me Up Inside." <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I can't hear that song without like seeing Ben Affleck's face, like him coming out of a. Uh, sensory deprivation chamber <laughs> yeah yeah and i was like i don't remember anything about that movie i feel like i saw it but i can't i literally don't even have a concrete memory of whether or not i saw the daredevil movie however i was allowed 
to watch Daredevil, some of it, for this episode. So that I would have some kind of base. I feel like this is kind of like... The Netflix Daredevil. Yeah, the Netflix Daredevil. I feel like this is kind of like the Sinister Six episode where I was like, I have nothing. I need just a crumb, please. (laughs) And then I watched it and... I just want to talk for a second about the the Netflix Daredevil. It's gritty. It's a lot grittier than I expected it to be, mm-hmm. which makes it incredibly horny, but also very good television. <laughs> I know. I thanks for picking up on that one. <laughs> the acting is great, and the set the the camera work is is beautiful. Like every shot is fantastic, and just the storytelling and the plot overall, it's very engaging. It makes you want to get into it. I am currently catching up on um, Umbrella Academy because my partner Eugene has like finished the show now. So I'm like trying to catch up with that. And so starting Daredevil in the middle, like Umbrella Academy really like I've been like binging it. And then I watched this the first episode of Daredevil and I was like, ooh, there are two reasons I can't finish watching this, but I really want to. Like it really like sucked me in. So I'm Mm -hmm. really excited. I actually came up with my pitch before watching the show. And then I kind of fleshed it out a little bit after watching the first episode. To be truthful, I watched the first episode and some of the third episode. Because like everyone in America, four people use my Netflix account. (laughs) And someone had started it and stopped at episode three. And I just played it. And episode three started. And I was like, this is kind of a wild start. But sure. And then, and then I fell asleep in the middle of episode three and then I woke up and I was like, oh, I slept through two episodes, but I hadn't. So I had to go back and watch episode one. So I've seen like an episode and a third. I'm so sorry, Daredevil fans, but I promise I will go back and watch it. So Kat, this week, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been talking forever. So this week I have put together a pitch that I feel like is classic. And when I say classic, that's my code word for, I know it's already been done. (laughs) But this is really what I wanted. I wanted the very classic, like, superhero on trial story. And I wanted Spider-Man to be in kind of a wrong place at the wrong time thing. And he's charged with, like, a murder. Like, he's basically gone to, like, investigate the, the crime scene. And through a series of events, he becomes the the primary suspect. Which the people of New York find very baffling because they're like, he's Spider-Man. He doesn't even kill his own villains. But, like, all of the evidence points to him being this murderer. He's there. He has, like, the murder weapon. The body is there. And so he's like, I I, got, I need help. And the only, like, he can't, he refuses to, like, reveal his personal identity for this murder trial. Because that would just complicate things even more. And he doesn't want to drag, like, Aunt May and all of, like, the people in his life into this. Like, Mary Jane and so on. And so he's like, I need, I have to find legal uh, representation that will represent me as Spider-Man. <laughs> and so who should show up? But Murdoch and Nelson. And Matt Murdoch's like, yeah, I'll defend you, sure. And Spider-Man's like, okay, might as well be this guy. <laughs> Not too choosy. Not too choosy here, yeah. <laughs> Beggars for real cannot be choosers. But I, what I wanted to really be like, the the twist here is that the hero who is helping spider-man like gather evidence for his case is daredevil and i think that maybe just for the nate just for the spirit of comics i think that maybe spider-man doesn't put the pieces together like he just thinks that like daredevil shtick is just like his 
like cool martial arts or whatever. I don't think he puts it together that like the hero he's working with is blind and also his lawyer is blind and they've never been in the same room at the same time. (laughs) Um, But I think that there's sort of this very careful and meticulous process that Matt Murdock has to go through as Daredevil helping Spider-Man like collect this evidence and solve this mystery of the murderer and like who did it because he can't implicate himself as Daredevil into this crime, obviously. So I think it very much becomes a story of heroic crime fighting in the sense of like a comic book hero versus someone who has a passion for justice. And I think Spider-Man comes from this point of view where he's like, I swing around New York, I punch villains, I save the day. And then, you know, Daredevil's like, I try to make things right. Like, Mm -hmm. I try to prevent the wrong from happening again. And, like, you do the same thing, but, like, justice is the the driver for for me. And so I think there's very much, like, a, a learning experience on both sides. I thought about it being, like, a more serious type of maybe event just because I wanted there to be this sort of moment where each of them has like a reflection on the other one. And it's Mm -hmm. like, maybe, maybe I'm going about this hero business the wrong way. Maybe there's another point of view that I can look for it. And so obviously they gather the evidence that they need. And Matt Murdock shows up in court and he says, your honor, um, this is not Jean Valjean. And then, (laughs) and then Spider-Man is freed. And he's like, cool. I can go swing around New York now. And so, I like this idea of Matt Murdock being like Spider-Man's lawyer on retainer, <laughs> but he's like, I don't have any money. <laughs> and Matt Murdock's like, I don't really have any clients. So Spider-Man might as well be a cool celebrity client for me to have. Right, yeah, I that's guess. good PR, right? Yeah. I just, I really wanted there to be the end of the comic for there to be like a, a working relationship with Spider-Man and Daredevil. And I think Peter figures it out at the end that it's Matt that he's been working with. But I also think that he doesn't tell him that he knows. Because I think to Matt, the delineation between Daredevil and himself is much more black and white. I feel like it's more important than with Peter, where Spider-Man is just... Spider-Man and Peter are the same guy. Like, sure, he has to keep Peter, like, private. But Spider-Man and Peter Parker have the same morals. They have the same drive. They have the same personality like they're the same guy but i feel like with with matt he's got to kind of separate himself from that hero persona and so i think peter does him like the not the favor but he does him sort of the 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 solid of not being like oh hey you're like my lawyer right like (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's not like i said like it's kind of more serious i didn't really come with like a super funny one this week which I usually try to do, but I really just felt like it was more in the spirit of things to have these two heroes kind of looking at things from each other's perspective, which is a storyline that I love to go with is like, look through someone else's eyes or whatever. But I mean, not Matt, but you know, like, proverbially speaking. (laughs) So yeah, so I really, that's my pitch is Spider-Man on trial. So I come to you, Kat, and ask you on this, the day of my spider's wedding, (laughs) was spider-man there and was he ever on trial defended by matt murdoch slash daredevil uh so like you i was really pumped into this episode i did watch like the daredevil netflix series as it was coming out um and i've dabbled in a couple of the comics 
uh, especially the Spider-Man and Daredevil like team up comics and, mm-hmm. and group comics. And so Daredevil is one of those characters that like every time I see him, I get really excited because I always like his stories, even though I haven't read a lot of his solo stuff. But what I have read really does give me that impression that these are two characters that have a unique working relationship together. That's really fun, I think, for writers to explore and for readers to get to experience because we've talked about Spider-Man and other characters and like matchups in the past, but if you'll like forgive the fandom lingo in the like red Oni blue Oni situation, like Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is the blue Oni and the other character is usually the red Oni where like the other character is usually the crazy one or the hotheaded one. And Spider-Man is kind of the one reeling them back in or like, Hey, you got to be more realistic or you have to be more sensible. You have to do things by the rules. And I think when it's a Spider-Man daredevil story that usually gets flipped around a little bit Mm -hmm. where Daredevil is kind of more like, you know, quote unquote, the straight man. And not that Spider-Man is like madcap or anything like that, but he definitely is a little more off the cuff. And in some, like, I don't know, in some ways you could say like, you know, he's chaotic good um, or neutral good. Whereas like Daredevil can be, but isn't always um, beholden to more of like legal process and things like that. Or like at least respects it. Like literal lawful good. Yeah. Which, which varies based on the stories and i know that like there there are tons of comic book nerds out there who are going to be like um actually you know daredevil did this and this and this and these are all two super illegal things and i'm like yeah 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 i know yeah so there are a ton of stories and i think we'll talk i think this is going to be a show where we're going to talk a little bit about your pitch in both parts of the show okay but to answer your question directly i did find a story in which peter parker is on trial and is defended by matt murdoch his lawyer hell yeah I love that. I got to watch more cartoons, which I was excited about. This is actually something that I think has happened more than once. So I just picked one. Okay. <laughs> that that I thought would be fun. And this comes to us thanks to uh, the Spider-Man 1994 series, which I always am excited to get an opportunity to revisit. There was a two-parter story that introduced Daredevil that I think was going to be kind of the backdoor pilot for a Daredevil series that ended up getting postponed because they were like, hey, 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 if we like wait a little bit, we can have this come out with the Daredevil movie that's coming out in a little bit. And so they like put it on the back burner and then it just ended up getting canceled. <laughs> Anyways, but we'll talk about it because I think it's it's a really fun story. And as I was watching it, I was like, so much happens in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Like they cram so much plot into these 19 minutes. <laughs> but here we, we're going to go for it. All right. So basically, Peter Parker meets up with Richard Fisk. And Richard Fisk is like, hey, you're a really smart guy, and we want to give you a job at Fisktronics, not just because you're a smart guy, but also because you, Peter Parker, are responsible for saving my dad, noted billionaire philanthropist Wilson Fisk, from an attack from the Hobgoblin, which, you know, he totally had nothing to do with because he's a super cool, innocent rich guy, like all rich guys are. Like all rich men, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we're going to like give you like give you this job, which you are absolutely qualified for. But also, hey, isn't this a great paying job at our company? And so Peter Parker's like, oh, oh sure. Yeah, that's great. Like I can now l- fulfill one of my life dreams, which is to quit working at the Bugle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like buy food. 
No, <laughs> he's just excited to quit his job and collect a steady paycheck. And it's like a, it's kind of a run of the mill job. Like Fisk, the company is Fisktronics, and they basically just make like military stuff or whatever. And Peter's job is to like go in and he runs like a, a computer diagnostic every day. And every day the computer spits out a data disc, like CD-ROM. Okay. That he that he like takes and I don't know puts in a drawer somewhere and like that's his job. And he's like, whatever, like, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but like, I get to use what I, you know, my degree that I studied in and it, it pays well. So like, hey, this is basically a dream job for me. So he's, he's going about doing that. And one day he's like leaving, you know, the factory or whatever. And he stops at this little hot dog cart outside. And lo and behold, the lady at the hot dog cart is actually an undercover FBI agent and she arrests him on the spot. And she's like, you're under arrest, Peter Parker, for uh, selling military information and secrets to whoever's buying them or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, what now? And she's like, yeah. And, he, and she's like, give me that disc. And he's like, this is just like diagnostic readouts. And she's like, no. And she sticks it in a little thing. That's like, beep, 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 top secret information. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's like, uh, okay, shit. And so, you know, they arrest him and then he's like at the arraignment or or he's or sorry, he's under arrest. And then um, they call him out. And they're like, okay, your lawyer's here. And he's like, I haven't called for a lawyer. I do, can't afford a lawyer. I'm sorry, what? And so like he goes to meet his lawyer and his lawyer's like, hi, I'm Matt Murdock. And he's like, cool. Um, I haven't called you or paid you. And he's like, well, that's true. But uh, you have an anonymous benefactor who has paid me a rather large retainer to be here. So until that runs out, I'm your lawyer. And he's like, all okay. right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll maybe we'll circle back to that, but um, yeah, let's get on this. So they have like their arraignment or whatever, and they explain the charges and all that, and they're like, "Okay, well, these are very serious charges. You're going to be held without bail." And so they're like getting ready to put him in the van to take him back to jail, and then Spider-Man jumps down and busts open the van and is like, "Haha, I am here. Me, Spider-Man is here." <laughs> To take Peter Parker away because we're both criminals. And Peter Parker's in the van like, uh-huh. So sounds suspicious. Okay. Yeah. For multiple reasons, uh, I am suspicious of this. Um, So he, like, has to let himself be kidnapped because he can't, like, be like, you're not Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man. Because that's just even more problems. Is this where pointing Spider-Man meme comes from? <laughs> no, that's from the 60s series. Oh, I know. I'm just... Oh, <laughs> this is a bit um, cat. Go with the bit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They take him like to like they they scoop him up in like a helicopter and they take him to Richard Fisk's crime lair and he's like, yeah. So uh, the heat was on and word was getting out that uh, secrets were being sold. And I need somebody to take the fall. And you were here. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for saving my dad. But, uh, you you know, you were convenient. And so he, like, puts him into this pneumatic tube or something <laughs> where he's going to, like, suffocate him. And it's so, like, the walls are, like, you know, steel and stuff. And so, like, even with his spider strength, he can't break out. And so he's, like, sucking the air out. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to die in a tube. This is not how I thought I was going to go out. Mm -hmm. um, but just before he suffocates... Uh, Daredevil shows up and kicks a bunch of asks. As he opens does. up the tubes as he does. Opens up the tube and and uh, grabs Peter and is like, "All right, I'm gonna drop you off here. You'll be safe here. Just chill until like you know the actual trial and stuff like that. And you know we'll get things together and just just hang out and be good." 
And so Peter Parker goes inside and lo and behold, he's at Matt Murdock's apartment and Matt Murdock like comes around the corner, you know, like sweating slightly and like, uh, you know, fixing his hair. And he's like, oh, yes, I've been here the whole time. Hello, I'm your lawyer. Matt I Murdock. was that, is... I was working out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is my cool apartment. I, yeah. Um, and he gets, gives a little bit of his backstory, you know, about how he was blinded in an accident and his dad in, in the Spider-Man universe, his backstory is a little bit different. But it does come down to, like, Kingpin being involved. So he personally has kind of, like, a um, vendetta against Kingpin. Although he doesn't reveal that he personally believes Wilson Fisk is Kingpin. Although he's, like, following those threads. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he kind of talks about his backstory and why he became a lawyer. And, you know, he's dedicated to justice and stuff like that. And Peter's like, okay, that's cool. So it's bedtime, right? You're going to bed? Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed on the balcony. And he, like, scoots out. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. Not suspicious at all. Grabs his Spider-Man suit. Um, and he goes, uh, like, back to the Fisktronics place to, like, go look for clues. Because he's like, all right, obviously shit is up. I have to go find, like, I know who's guilty now. I need to find stuff so I can clear my name. He goes there and he's like looking at the computer, like trying to print out a new disc that like has information for, that he can use. And while he's there, Daredevil shows up and is like, ah, Spider-Man, I knew that you were, you know, part of this whole shenanigans. You were trying to, you know, frame my client or I mean, I didn't say that you were trying to frame Matt Murdock's client. Right. <laughs> and and so like there's, you know, that kind of usual comic book misunderstanding where they have to have a short fist fight you know, was one of them's like, no, I promise I'm here to help. Ah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then the actual bad guys and goons show up and start shooting their laser guns everywhere. And so they're like, wait, oh, we're on the same side. Okay, well then let's work together. And then the whole place like catches on fire. <laughs> As it does. As it does. And like all the goons are running around. They're like, just get out of here. It's going to blow. But Spider-Man rushes back in to get the data disc at the last minute and manages to get it and gives it to Daredevil and is like, okay, can you get this to peter parker's lawyer and make sure that it's used to exonerate him and he's like will do so matt murdoch now has the the data disc which is just a cd-rom i should add but it's 1994 like 1996 so he's like this is the only copy of this information and it's 1996 so i do not have the ability to copy it myself right and so he hands over the only copy of the data disc to the fbi agent who apprehended Peter in the first place. But it turns out she's dirty and she's oh, on no. Fisk's payroll and she was part of the whole thing. Who could have seen and, that coming? Yeah, exactly. And so she takes it and she's like, ha I've got it. I'm going to give it back to my boss. Instead of just like snapping it in half. I, I, yeah, I don't know what CDs are made of in the 90s. Meanwhile, during all of this, Aunt May has like fallen ill from the stress. And so Peter like sneaks into the hospital to try and visit her. And like Mary Jane is there. And so she's like, come on, we know we'll, we'll sneak you in some doctor scrubs. You can go say hi. That's such a Spider-Man plan. It really is. It's like, like we'll that's just... his Aunt May. Like he can just go. They're family. Well, but he's he's escaped from. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. OK, OK, so, okay, like, OK. I'm with you. He's double wanted right now. So she sneaks him in and then like as they're leaving, um, they see Mary Jane's aunt, who's like Aunt May's next door neighbor, who has had been very awful and saying nasty things about Peter this whole time. But suddenly she's like, oh, honey, you came to visit your aunt. Oh, that's so sweet. OK, well, but now let's let's go before, you know, anybody shows up and ushers him out the front door. But then you see like the real aunt going into the hospital room and causing a ruckus, like whatever you call older Karens. Still Karens, I think. 
still Karens when they're like in their 70s. Yeah. And so they're exiting the hospital, but who he thinks is Mary Jane's aunt is actually Chameleon, who was earlier disguised as Spider-Man, and he's there too. He didn't Chameleon do something where he disguised himself as as oh no he did disguise himself as Peter in the in the Aunt May episode okay I'm with you yeah so Chameleon is like haha I tricked you guys and manages to like knock out I think with like gas he knocks out Mary Jane and Peter and then takes them back to the crime lair with the pneumatic tubes and throws the both of them in there and he's like all right well there's two of you in here now so you'll suffocate twice as fast and so they start sucking the air out again but then as like they're suffocating the story kind of cuts to where Wilson Fisk is and he's talking to Alexander Smythe who we talked about a little bit in one of the mm-hmm. other episodes and the, the only member of the Sinister Six you know and, yeah from that ugly um, ugly video game opening <laughs> and he talks a little bit about his own backstory and about like how he became a crime boss and how his father, you know, wanted to like work his way up in the mob, but was really bad at it. And like when he tried to join his father, he, you know, caused a crime to go bad. And and then he t- ended up taking the fall for his dad because his dad was like, sacrifices have to be made, son. And sure, yeah. He but he used his time to like learn all these skills that he's now employed to become this criminal kingpin. And he like had his own dad, you know mysteriously vanished and uh and his and and smythe is just sitting there like uh this is the damn coldest thing i've ever heard okay the kids show got it yeah but okay so while peter and mary jane are suffocating the good cops show back up like the nypd that was in there earlier and like we're asking questions and sniffing around the fbi agent and being like this is suspicious you're being weird they show up and daredevil shows up too they release peter and mj mj shows some formidable fighting skills that she apparently learned from self-defense classes because she's a single woman living in New York. And Peter goes off to like change into his Spider-Man suit and like he's taking down guys. Daredevil's fighting Chameleon. They're tracking down Kingpin who like has the data disc. And then Daredevil actually manages to confront Kingpin and they're having a big fight. And I have to give the storyboarder or like the director of this ep- these episodes a little bit of credit here because... I'm telling this story in a linear fashion, but it's actually told with like some flashbacks and flash forwards. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit here where Daredevil and Kingpin are fighting and it mirrors their fighting poses to like flashbacks of when they were kids and like their fathers were like either dying or like abandoning them. And I'm like, this is some like cinematic shit. Like this is good. And I just, I really appreciated that. And it looks like Daredevil is going to go too far but spider-man pulls him back and is like no you can't kill him and it allows wilson fisk to escape Mm -hmm. and by the time they catch up with him chameleon has replaced him but they are able to retrieve the information that exonerates peter they are able to tie richard fisk kingpin's son to the crimes and so there is a scene where they're all in the courtroom and richard fisk is being handed his sentence and they're like, we'll be leaning on you if you name your accomplices. And he's kind of like standing there and Kingpin is standing behind him and is like, sacrifices have to be made, son. And he just kind of like shakes his head and the cycle continues, right? Yeah. So basically the the episodes end with Spider-Man and Daredevil meeting on top of a building and kind of having their last like recap session. And 
Daredevil tells him, or, you know, Spider-Man's like, okay, cool. So that was a cool team up. That worked out well. Are we going to like keep doing this? And Daredevil's like, well, uh, Matt Murdock is on special assignment in DC now. <laughs> and, and I guess I, I also have to go. <laughs> like, there's no explanation. Like, Spider-Man doesn't question it, but. Spider-Man's like, oh, like, you and Matt Murdock are like really good friends? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. You guys oh that's why you had the keys to his apartment i get it now okay yeah the spider-man voice oh daredevil and matt murdoch are fucking (laughs) but there is a moment where daredevil comments that like he's able to identify chameleon immediately like see through his disguises immediately and he's like oh i I can tell immediately through you know when someone's in disguise and spider-man's like wait does that mean you know who i am and he's like no i've chosen not to like peek under your mask so to speak and because he's like i'm a big believer in the constitution and the right to privacy and i'm like daredevil wow where are you now (laughs) yeah we need you (laughs) but yeah so so they have that little that little interaction and and i think that was what was supposed to lead into the daredevil series that never got off the ground um and there is a brief little humorous moment where we we are back at the bugle and someone's talking to jameson he's like oh, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Peter Parker was cleared of all charges. And Jameson's like, rah, rah, rah. and he's like, well, okay. I mean, are you going to tell him that you paid for his legal fees? And he's like, I don't want him thinking I like him. <laughs> <laughs> Which just proves that Jameson is like deep down a bro and like a good dude. And right. we need to appreciate uh, J. Jones Jameson more. Yeah, honestly, yes, I agree. I <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a big fan of J. Jonah Jameson, but when you were like, you have a mysterious benefactor, I was like, wouldn't that just be some shit if it was J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> Which just goes to show that everything old is new again. Every idea has been had, <laughs> but you that should not stop you from telling your story. Wow. That's a hell of a ride. So it's It's pretty silly. And I know that there's like, I want to say that during the Clone Saga... There's some mishmash with like somebody killed Ben Riley, and we think it was Peter Parker and some shit like that. And Matt Murdock gets into the fold, but this seemed like a lot more fun to talk about. Sure, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I like that my idea, I guess, has been done. I like that there's been not just like Spider Man, Daredevil, and their punch and stuff, but it's been like Matt Murdock has had to defend like Peter Parker on trial i think that's something that i really i i just want to take a second and talk about how like i know that daredevil is a popular hero and i know that people really like him but have you ever like watched a piece of media and it's just really like it just hits you different like you connect with a character in a way that you don't really understand like i feel like i watched this episode of daredevil and i I was like oh this is my favorite now (laughs) but like for not any discernible reason like i don't i don't obviously share anything in common with this character and it's not like i relate to him in some personal way it's just that this story has become very like very important to me and i really Mm -hmm. like it and so having (laughs) this is gonna sound very silly and sentimental but having these two stories be kind of like put together is important to me because you're so into Spider-Man and this is really what like brought me to this place. And now I have like this big, like love and appreciation for daredevil. And so that like doing this episode was very like exciting and special for me. Cause I was like, yeah, like this, like I get it now. Like not that I didn't get it before, but like, I like, 
it's like when you when you start something and you're like, oh, this is going to be my new like special interest. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I get that feeling. I understand. Um, So, yeah. So like but it's it's cool. Like when when media can connect with you in that way. And I think that it just goes to show that like you don't have to have like something personal in common or whatever with a hero to connect with them through this media. I think that there's a lot to love about heroes, regardless of like, you know, how they approach like their Mm-hmm. truth justice in the way of good or whatever sure um, sure but yeah i i just i have really been struck by, by yeah. daredevil yeah i think that at a certain point you can start to relate to a character in ways that are not so surface level mm-hmm. like when you're a kid it's very easy to be like this character likes soccer and i like soccer this character is my favorite but i think definitely as an adult I a lot of my favorite characters are characters that like I don't have a lot in common with like I don't have a background in science we may not come like ethnically from the same background or whatever but there's usually like an emotional connection where I feel like the way that they react to things mm-hmm. is the way that that I would react to things yeah I think I think that that's more of it is that like the way that they react to their stressors and the way that I react to my stressors and like their conflicts and my conflicts, even though the conflicts themselves are different, the way that they respond to them is something that resonates with me. And I think that that's something that I can see in a lot of uh, comic book characters because like, what is a comic book except, you know, conflict with pretty colors. Right. And something that I really like about Daredevil and that I think that he and Spider-Man have in common is that there's a lot of there there. There's a lot to dig your teeth into when it comes to like iconography and symbolism Mm -hmm. and that's really fun i think for writers and artists to get involved in like spider-man as a character and the reason i think spider-man has endured as a character in a way that a lot of characters that came up from his era um and other superheroes didn't is because like i honestly think is because spiders have so much lore like as a, as a creature in different cultures. Right. And if you are a writer and you're like running out of something, you can just be like, God, what do they think about spiders in China? And start looking through myths and start like coming up with something, you know, like, and there are certain animals that that works for, you know, dragons. Um, and there are certain animals it doesn't work for. <laughs> right. Um, or, or certain ideas. And, and, you know, Daredevil has this very close tied iconography with like you know christian with catholicism and religious iconography and like if you just start looking at like the the trade paperbacks of daredevil like and the titles of things where it's like guardian devil and Mm -hmm. through hell and all that like it's just like it's so it automatically connects with you even if you're not a religious person like it automatically sells itself to you and it automatically gives you something that i think a lot of characters don't have that like instant connection yeah any um, any character with religious iconography like that is always a sell for me because like I know that it's not really the same, but my favorite member of the X Men is Angel, who had like the Archangel whole mm-hmm. thing, and it's just because I grew up Catholic and then my parents converted to Christianity, so I experienced Judaic Christianity and Catholicism in like a lot of different ways, and something that's always stuck with me, like regardless of where I w- I've wound up in my life, is that there's this sense of sort of like. It's very, it's a very visual type of thing. Like there, a mm-hmm. lot of like iconography and and symbolism and stuff is is very visual. It's not meant to be taken 
like here's it's in a book and it's a metaphor it's like here we made it into stained glass or a big statue Mm -hmm. or whatever and like and you wear it as jewelry and it's on shirts it's everywhere you know and so i think that is something that really drew me into daredevil as well is like it kind of pings that same right that same iconography like you were saying i think even the opening sequence like whoever designed the opening sequence for the netflix series deserves i hope they got some kind of award or medal because i was just like shit it's on (laughs) it's very chilling in a way too like you right but at at the same time you're like oh it's like red like blood but it's also this one color like the way that you know he perceives everything in kind of this like monochromatic infrared way but also it's like a baptism like slowly you know it's like oh there's so much happening at once right and it's it's so simple yeah and and, oh it's so good Mm mm-hmm so I'm really excited. I'm I'm really glad to have gotten to hear that story. But I'm ready to hear more stories about yeah, Daredevil. Let's so let's go over there. Okay, uh, we made it. We karate chopped and backflipped our way all the way over to the other half of the show. Kat, can you tell us about this this half of the show? Uh, this half of the show, uh, I have dubbed two thou shalt not lies and a fic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is the world's weirdest version of truth or dare. <laughs> well, um, this is I... truth or daredevil. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, you're so much better at this than I am. Ironically. <laughs> I'm really good uh, at naming the game and I'm terrible at playing it. Uh, well, you've been on a hot streak, so this is your moment to shine. This is yeah. five in a row, so it would make was Spider-Man their history. But here's how we play the game. I have in my hand two canonical comic book storylines featuring Spider-Man and Daredevil, and one that I have lifted from an obliging fanfic. And Zeke has to try and guess which one is which. Yep. Do I have a, Do I get a Daredevil sticker this week? I okay. I looked and I. Obviously, I can't just like run out to the store and go buy stickers right now. So I had to look through what I had. I don't have any Daredevil stickers, but I figured since he is the devil of Hell's Kitchen, I would give you a cute pink apron. (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I will take it. I mean, uh, presuming I win the game. All right. Are you ready to play? I absolutely am. Let's go. All right. Here's number one. Whether it's the cyber-suited Iron Man, demigod Thor, or even badass normal Black Widow, Daredevil isn't really a team-up kind of guy. It's surprising to say the least when he stumbles upon New York City's friendly neighborhood Spider-Man laid out in an alley after the wall crawler had some trouble with Tombstone and his goons. It's even more surprising when Daredevil, realizing the pair have a common enemy, suggests they work together to take the crime lord down once and for all. Okay, I have no idea who Tombstone is, but we're just going to go with it. Did you, you played the PS4 game, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Okay. All right. Okay. Spider-Man, Daredevil, they go to, they go punch Tombstone. Got it. Okay. Uh, let me hear number two. Mercenary tryouts, murder, and million dollar contracts. They're all fun and games until someone gets framed. Nearly innocent, well, of this crime at least, Deadpool is branded a terrorist and some big guns are out for his head. Desperate for help, he forms an unlikely partnership with Spidey and his very own guardian devil as they seek to clear Deadpool's name and bring the true criminal to justice. Oh, okay. 
Hmm. I did not expect Deadpool to make an appearance here, <laughs> but I feel like that's the way it goes with him. So in character for sure. Okay. Um, let me hear the third one. It's dead end after dead end as Spider-Man works fruitlessly to track down the crazed killer who murdered a city judge, a priest, and the crime fighter's personal friend, police captain Gene DeWolf. Spider-Man's anger finally boils over when he tracks down the killer, and it's only Daredevil's interference that stops the hero from letting his rage overcome him and taking a life himself. Oh, okay. All right. I think... Oh, this is this one's tough. Because the Deadpool one is throwing me off cuz I know that Deadpool's a real fan favorite and if I was someone who like I was going to write a fan fiction about Spider-Man and Daredevil, I probably would put Deadpool in there. <laughs> it's called Team Red. Okay, I do love that. <laughs> I really love the story of the last one though. I love anytime two heroes like have a a a goal and then one has to say like no, don't you're going too far. Like you've, you've voided your morals at this point. Like I love stories like that. We can't return you. Yeah. Yeah. You have voided the warranty. I think, I think the first one is Canon. I'm going to go with my gut and say the second one is a fan fiction. And I think the third one is Canon too, just because so far stories that have been like, no, don't kill that guy have been Canon. And I think that that's like a a common thread with like Spider-Man stories. Do Do you get it? A common thread? Mm. um we each got a pun this episode (laughs) so yeah that's my that's my answer i think the first one is canon and the second one is a fanfic and the third one is canon final answer unfortunately uh this is not the week for a miracle damn but but i think you were pretty close okay let's start with the fanfic okay the first one is the fanfic oh Um, and i will say that looking through fan fiction and reading fan fiction was actually a treat as opposed to the venom fan fiction search which was not not difficult but it was difficult to find a fan fiction that i thought like was feasibly a real comic too i feel like people that are writing spider-man and daredevil fan fiction really enjoy the dynamic and really enjoy writing about team-ups and really enjoy writing like character pieces so there was really just a lot to choose from. But the one I picked was the story where Daredevil stumbles upon a young Spider-Man unconscious in an alley in a dumpster behind a Thai restaurant. Okay. And he's been knocked out after like failing to take out Tombstone's goons or whatever. Um, this story is called He Came from the Garbage. I and- love it. He came, he comes forth from the garbage. <laughs> Which is just what I imagine, like, like if Daredevil was like, like showed up and like Foggy was like, who's that? And he's like, ah, I don't know. I picked him up out of the garbage. <laughs> By Charisma Wizard. Okay. What a fantastic name. Right? <laughs> this was, um, this was a fun one to read. It's just a couple chapters long. It's a couple thousand words. But I really enjoyed it because um, even though we are talking about like a younger, I think, MCU inspired Spider-Man. I think that they did a really good job in showing the character dynamics and like giving them things to do in action sequences and fight sequences, which I think can be really hard Mm -hmm. in a way that like seemed believable. And I could kind of imagine these actions playing out on the comic book page. So I thought this was a fun one to read and that was my pick. Um, And I can't, 
I cannot lie, like the title was part of it because I thought you would enjoy that. Yeah, I do love it. I love the author <laughs> name. I love the title. I love the story. I think that the reason that I thought the second one was the fan fiction is because I always give fanfic authors so much credit for how wild stories can be. <laughs> but I do like when stories are also like a little more toned down and it's like sometimes you have to relax like as a fanfic author myself sometimes you have to like relax and be like i'm just gonna write spider-man in a trash can and then <laughs> and then him and daredevil are gonna go punch some guys and that's what i'm gonna do with my weekend <laughs> so shout out to you charisma wizard you did it so the second one is uh technically it's a daredevil title it's a mini series called deadpool suicide kings oh wow and yeah, it's this is a good one. This is actually one of the first Deadpool series that I ever read. Um, and I do think that it's a great character study for Deadpool as far as kind of understanding like some of the mechanics of how the character works in comics. A lot of people are like, okay, so like he hears voices. How does that work? Or like, what? how does this work? Or um, he sees hallucinations. And how does that get incorporated into his like actually walking around and being a hero? So this is this is a good... I think a good thing to throw at people who are, who want to start reading Deadpool comics, but it does feature Spider-Man and Daredevil and Punisher is in there for a bit too. So it's kind of like, and also these guys you already know. And it is definitely the kind of story that where like Deadpool gets himself into trouble, but not the trouble people think. And Daredevil shows up and is like, okay, well, I know you didn't do it. And he's like, well, how do you know that? And you, there's kind of this like, image of like daredevil reading him like a radar because like daredevil can read people's heartbeats and kind of has a built-in lie detector and he's like i i just know right and so it is kind of funny because like daredevil is the first one that shows up to help deadpool and then spider-man shows up and is like hey i have a stake in this too because you're mixed up in all this and these are some of my bad guys and what's going on here it's pretty funny because like deadpool and spider-man are just squabbling and daredevil is clearly like the adult in the room and i think it's just i don't know what do you call it when there's three characters a trinamic <laughs> i think it's it's some really fun chemistry um it's definitely one of the short series that i recommend to people that like one of these characters and maybe wants to learn more about some of the others and it's just it's it's a pretty satisfying read i will say it is definitely a little bit of product of its time when it comes to some of the depictions of like lady characters and stuff like that but i think that's also sure. something you kind of expect with deadpool series yeah <laughs> i think comics in general sometimes you have to kind of take them with a grain of salt and be like okay well this is a product yeah. of its time for sure but that leads us to the third work which is something that had sort of been on my list to read and i'm really glad i got a chance to take some time and study it this week which is the death of gene DeWolf. okay and this is a story that comes from like 1985 1986 it was in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and it is a four-issue arc. And Jean DeWolf is, like, a recurring character up to this point who is, she's a police captain who, I, I think you might want to think of her the way that we kind of see, like, um, for those that played the PS4 game, Yuri from the police force that, like, meets with spider-man occasionally and is like okay begrudgingly i'm gonna have to ask you to do this because nobody else can do this and right like we'll work together and i realize that that's not on the up and up but i don't have any other options you know so like they have a, a friendly working relationship and we learn a little bit of a, about her at the very beginning of the series where she's like thinking about like why she became a cop and why she's always sort of uh 
like withholding of her smiles because like she only wants to give it when someone's really earned it because like that's the way her stepdad kind of raised her like she's like i knew he was holding his smile until i became the first lady commissioner in the city and then she's shot dead and it becomes obviously becomes a huge news story and like spider-man finds out about this and he's like oh shit like we were kind of like work friends sort of and so he ends up like talking to the officer that's assigned in charge of the case and trying to like put clues together and i think this is a really interesting story because it does stretch over four issues and i will say that like 80s comics could get really dense sometimes like you're like wow so much just happened in these like 30 pages and i think they do a really good job of showing how as time keeps passing and he keeps coming up with nothing how like more frustrated he gets and kind of how more erratic he gets and meanwhile matt murdoch who has been on the scene a little bit and is also like becomes invested in this um as daredevil is also trying to approach this and he also has a personal stake in it because the judge that gets killed is by the same killer is a judge that he knew like from law school and has worked with obviously as a lawyer um, in the professional sense. And so he's also investigating this killer. And it's kind of funny because there are some scenes where like they're questioning literally the same people. So there's, for example, there's a scene where Matt Murdock comes into like a, a dive bar full of, you know, ne'er-do-wells and is like, look, I'm here for answers who's going to give them to me and kind of questions them. And like, when he, when he realizes that like literally nobody has information, any information for him, he's like, all right, well, if anybody hears anything, you know, I want to know. And they're like, yeah, we actually would like to know too, because this is some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's getting ready to leave. And like, as, as he gets ready to leave the, the diner of the owner, like he's walked out the door and the diner owner's like, oh my god for the first time ever there was like a fight in my diner and nobody broke the front window <laughs> and then spider-man literally blashes in through the window and is like i need answers <laughs> which is like sort of funny but also i think just really highlights like the difference in their approaches and the difference in like their emotional states mm -hmm. at that time and i don't want to spoil it because I, it's four issues you can find this easily absolutely highly recommend it because i think um especially for like a comic in the 80s i was actually really impressed with the artwork i think it's like got a really like classic style and everything's really well drawn i think the story is really well told there is more um talk about the imbalance of justice carried out based on people's race oh. and economic levels wow. that i was expecting in a spider-man comic and so I was kind of like, whoa, okay, yeah, like, we're hitting some issues here. But eventually, like, Spider-Man Devil, Daredevil are kind of, like, working the same case from different sides for a lot of it. And it isn't until right at the end where they find out who the killer is, and there's, like, an angry mob that is attacking him, and Spider-Man's kind of, like, good. He deserves it. Like, we know he did it. Like, I saw him doing it, or, like, mm -hmm. trying to kill another person. And Daredevil's like, yeah, but that's not how the system works. And so, like, Daredevil goes down to try and stop it, but the mob overwhelms him. And while he's down there, he yells out Peter's name. And so Peter's like, okay, I don't fucking know who Daredevil is, but he somehow knows who I am. And that means I can't let him die. Like, I don't, right. whatever the situation is. And so he jumps down there and helps and, like, helps rescue Daredevil and stop the crowd and stuff. And so then they have a chat and Daredevil explains, like, okay, so here's here's the skinny like i'm matt murdoch and this is my deal and 
you know, I've known who you are for a long time and I can tell via heartbeats and stuff like that. Even though Daredevil is able to tell that intrinsically, he and Peter both have like a conscious and intentional unmasking sort of with each other. Mm-hmm. And then a they very, sort of... a very heterosexual experience. <laughs> it's extremely Peter admits that like, if Matt hadn't called out to him that way, he probably would have just let the mob have their way. But he also, you know, kind of realizes having a couple of minutes to think about it, that that probably wasn't the right thing to do. Meanwhile, like, Matt is thinking, like, wow, you know, okay, I understand that Spider-Man has a personal stake in this, but so do I. So is the question, does Spider-Man feel too much, or am I not feeling enough? Uh-huh. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. These like I'm like, these are the questions I want asked! Yeah. <laughs> And there is some stuff towards the end with, like, some side characters where, like, they need legal help and, you know, Matt offers his services and Peter is, like, convincing them to take them. And, like, he's like, okay, well, we'll see, you know, if the system really works and that kind of thing um, where they're kind of meeting on level ground. But this is, like, it's a it's a great Spider-Man story. It's a great Daredevil story. It's just good. And I think, I think it's – if you like either of these characters and you want to know more about, like, where they came from and, like, some other – not origins, but some other like classic background stuff. Like this is definitely a story to read. Okay, I do. Yeah, I really like that. I love, I love when you get to a when you get to read a story and it's like these are the questions I want asked. This is the information that I want to know. Is characters being like introspective? Yeah, and it doesn't take much. Like I know sometimes I've read some comics even this week, like some just comics for myself, and I've just been like, oh, we've just missed an opportunity, or like you only have one issue and I know you're not going to get to like the good stuff in it. Like, you know, I know this is a five issue miniseries and I know you're not going to get to the good stuff because you quote unquote don't have time. And I'm like, that was one panel. Like that was one panel where David Edible's asking himself a question. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, yeah, I'm just like, I don't tell me you don't have time on the page. You got time. I love that. I'm, and I'm happy to hear that stories like that are, have been told like, because this is kind of an, an older, I say older, it's from the 80s, but you know what I mean. Older comic. So, I don't know. I, like I said earlier in the first half, I really didn't expect to relate to Daredevil in this way. And I guess sort of feel about the comic the way that I do. Or the show or the character, I guess. So it's been a really interesting experience for me. Getting to learn about this new character. And learning about, like... Uh, the way different heroes tick because I've been so like involved with Spider-Man for like, so that makes me sound like a pro, but I just mean like, because we've been doing the podcast for so long. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like that. I've kind of gotten like, um, not stagnant, but I guess that you kind of start to like, you're so in it. And then, you know, like with Deadpool, he's not the same as Spider-Man, but he has sort of the same, like kind of jaunty personality. Whereas like Daredevil's a little more serious. Um, yeah, it is is it interesting. I know that a lot of people talk about the difference between like DC and Marvel characters or DC and Marvel comics, but it is really interesting to think that like these are two characters who not only exist in the same universe and the same, you know, property, but like exist in the same city. Right. And still are so they're similar, but they're also very different in a lot of really interesting ways. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that I wanted to like talk about for a second. I know we're we're kind of running long here. But I've talked before about being like a, a DC man. Like I love DC comics. And Daredevil, I think, strikes me 
not as an answer to Batman because obviously like these two publishers are not going oh you have Batman well we'll write Daredevil or like whatever you know but I think sort of this idea of like someone who takes their crime fighting as like an execution of justice there's different ways that it can be done and there's different vices that characters can have and I think you're looking at a character like Batman who whose only like form of justice is to strike fear in the hearts of bad guys and then you have someone like Daredevil whose idea of justice is stopping bad guys <laughs> like stopping them from continuing to do the bad thing instead of to be afraid of him i just think they're very interesting foils to each other for characters that have on paper kind of the same personality or motivation so anyway i'm really into daredevil now <laughs> that's the takeaway <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah when robert pattinson batman comes out i'm i'm gonna be like this is fine, but um, can we let's let's talk about Daredevil that came out seven years ago. <laughs> um, uh, so thank you for doing that research, and thank you for finding these wonderful stories for me, um, and for picking out such a good topic this week. I am curious if you have a cool piece of Daredevil trivia for me this week. I do, and I have I have a piece of trivia, and I have a backup trivia. Oh heck yeah. Uh, the first one I, f- I found and I was like, oh, this is good. Zeke will love this. And then I was like, wait, but I can't find like a source on this. And so I, it may or may not be true. Okay. But it seems it seems like it should be true. And I'm just going to run with it. Okay. Uh, but as we have talked about in a number of these stories today, um, Daredevil has the ability to hear people's heartbeats and can even discern different people by their heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and some... in and everybody's is a little bit different, you know, like a thumbprint. And of course, obviously he's used this on numerous accounts to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's Peter Parker under that mask. Um, but I'm just going to pretend I don't know because, uh, you know, right to privacy. Right. But what's, what's also interesting is apparently we have talked about Deadpool and Spider-Man being heartmates, but apparently Spider-Man and Daredevil are literal heartmates in a way because their heartbeats are identical which is an anomaly and that doesn't necessarily mean anything but it is interesting yeah that's <laughs> okay i'm sure that the soulmate au fanfic writers could have just a field day with that so there it is that's my gift to you but just i could not find the actual issue that this factoid appeared in so i will give you one that is much more easily checked up on which is that if you remember from the daredevil movie or the series or any number of flashbacks young matt murdoch is blinded in an accident because of chemical x splashing on his face or whatever Uh um in an accident but what you may not know is said barrels of toxic waste rolled into the alleyway and drained into the sewer and that same chemical is what's responsible for mutating both splinter and all of the ninja turtles like canonically (gasps) It's the same goo. What? Um, Because the Ninja Turtles were kind of written as like a pastiche and a parody of a number of different things. And so their origin story, like the original Ninja Turtles origin story is written as like, there's references to all kinds of things. So like even Splinter's name is a reference to Matt Murdock's mentor Stick. But yeah, it's the same slime. So uh, in a way, you know, Daredevil and the Ninja Turtles are related. I Okay. So what I want to know is why... 
baby Matt Murdock didn't become a bigger, cooler ninja version of himself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because like proportionately, like he didn't absorb as much. Well, like, cause like they went from like non sentient turtles to like very large bipedal <laughs> monsters. Like they're not even like, and then they're turtles and they're like five foot. Like they got huge. So well, like, like he just got splashed with it, and I assume they were just like drenched in it. Okay, know? okay, like, all right. Yeah. I'll I'll see the point, but I am I do <laughs> I do I want to say whoever wrote Ninja Turtles and then got with the Daredevil people or whichever order that went in, whoever's responsible, you're on thin fucking ice. Because <laughs> I see you. I saw how big them damn turtles got. <laughs> Daredevil should have been seven feet tall. I'll make a note of that here. He should have been played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have opinions on how big Daredevil should have gotten, uh, you can tweet us at WasSpideyThere on Twitter, or you can send us an email at WasSpideyThere at gmail.com. My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we'll see you next week. What's up, Spider Pals? It's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories we talked about in today's episode, you should check out the issues they're from. And they are Spider-Man 1994, Season 3, Episodes 7 and 8. So that's the Spider-Man cartoon. Deadpool, Suicide Kings, numbers 1 through 5. Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, numbers 107 through 110. And our featured fanfic this week was He Came from the Garbage by Charisma Wizard. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.